Single parenting isn't easy. We understand. Most parents don't plan to go it alone, but you can still make the most of this journey for your children and yourself. In fact, if you and your family are on that journey, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Single Parent Advocate community and to our podcast. And here are your hosts, single parent founder, Stacey Poitras, broadcast journalist, single dad and friend, Daryl Moody. All right, you found us. This is the Single Parent Advocate Podcast. I am your host, Daryl Moody. I am joined again by Stacey Poitras. She is the Single Parent Advocate. She is in those beautiful, luxurious SPA Work Innovator Studios in Dallas, Texas, Venture X Louisville, the realm at Castle Hills. We're also joined by Brent Ferguson, or Brent Sutcliffe, rather. You've seen him before. He is uh, one of our favorite guests here that comes on the show. He actually has a Twitch channel, Rack TV, and has been using that uh, Twitch channel to raise money for single dads. So Brent, thank you for joining us. And we have another guest, Kimberly Roush. She is a life coach, uh, allstarexecutivecoaching.com is her website. She also is the author of a new book, uh, Are You Ready to Be Big? So uh, thank you, Kimberly, for joining us as well. So let's uh, just jump right in. Uh, Father's Day was this past weekend. And uh, I know, Stacy, you had a, uh, a big event going on there with the Single Parent Advocate. Uh, talk to us about you were able, what you were able to do for some very deserving single dads there in the Dallas area. So it was really interesting, you know, I've, I've kind of talked to you a little bit about this before, you know, a lot of single dads, you know, they, they really are silent heroes and um, they don't really, you know, take too well to handouts, you know. So what we decided to do is just to honor them. And so we've got a couple of uh, dads going to a water park with their kids. We've got some dads doing, uh, you know, like going out to eat for steak, you know. So we just... Um, you know, had a completely different approach than we do at National Single Parent Day or even at Mother's Day. And it's largely just because, you know, when you um, you talk to a dad, you know, they'll just very much just tell you, no, it's okay. You know, go help somebody else that really needs it. And I think that, you know, building up our dads, the ones that are raising their kids and showing up in their lives, you know, and, uh, really kind of hustling you know we want to show support for them so we did we shared some love and they were all astounded they're like oh wow what'd you do daryl how was your father's day uh well you know sunday uh was not only father's day it was also my daughter elise's eighth birthday so i had to share uh the spotlight with her uh so i'll be cooking my steak dinner next friday night i had cooked burgers and mac and cheese last night for my daughter but um uh, we got to spend some time with my mom, met her for lunch. Uh, and then, and then, you know, because it was Father's Day, I, uh, I actually uh, asked my kids if I could watch the final round of the U.S. Open, uh, to which they obliged. So I, I got to spend some downtime watching some golf. It was a great I would Father's love, Day. love, no love, Brent, for you to jump in while we're on the Father's Day topic. I'm yeah. sorry for stepping on you, Daryl. <laughs> um, what, what can you tell us about all of the egg crashing, pie smashing, gaming that's been going on to raise awareness for single dads. Well, it's it's really because when you're uh, when you're twitching gaming, people love that interactivity. It gives them a reason to be involved. And so my whole point was, hey, let's do this and come up with this idea, and they can watch me abuse myself on live interaction and maybe donate for the cause as well. So I've been smashing eggs over my head, 
I've been taking pies to the face. Um, there's, oh yeah, I have a whole like hot tub. There's a big hot tub thing on Twitch right now that everybody's making a big kahoot about. So a big thing is making up fun hot tub ideas. So I have a whole, we're not quite there yet, but I have a whole barbecue theme ready. So for barbecue uh, all, in the hot tub. Well, there was one dude that took nacho cheese over the head in a hot tub. Oh. So I'm wow. literally going to get into a hot tub full of bacon and baked beans and all that stuff. Nobody wants to get into a hot tub. Full that sounds of. really messy. Yeah, I'm telling it's you. Pretty, it's been pretty messy back here in my office. And I would why. assume that's going to ruin your hot tub too, right? Well, it's, well, I mean, it's even more Texan than that. It's actually a little inflatable hot tub that you can fit into the back of a truck. Nah, okay. um, so, that that, I mean, that makes just, me feel a little bit better. And Kimberly, how was your Father's Day weekend? Oh, my Father's Day weekend was very um, contemplative. I um, just recently lost my father March 8th. but And I, I actually thought yesterday was going to be really, really hard. But, you know, I planted some Snapdragons in, on, on, yeah, in honor of him over the weekend. And I... You know, I ended up posting a post on Facebook early yesterday morning of, of just a bunch of wonderful pictures of him. And, you know, I have to say I've been I've been handling his estate and I feel like I've dug into his life more in the past three months than <laughs> I ever knew. And I, I actually, strangely enough, feel closer to him, you know, doing this work for him. And um, I feel like he's ever present, which is really lovely. You know, I thought it was yeah. going to be a very tearful day and it, it, there was much more gratitude in it than anything. My dad's in heaven, too. And um, I, I kind of follow you there. You know, it's like I just took a moment, paused and uh, remembered him and thought about, you know, how he'd scold me if I, you know, <laughs> made too much of that, you know. So it was nice. And um <laughs> But, you know, Father's Day is always, I found, uh, very emotional for all of us um, for one reason or another. You know, there's people that have great dad experience and people that have, um, you know, not so great dad experiences and everything in between, you know. And I, so I think. Speaking uh, of your dad scolding, can I can I interrupt you and share a funny story? Of course. <laughs> your audience will get a, a laugh out of this. So. Um, because of COVID, we've been doing these weekly Zoom calls. Uh -huh. And over the, like all of the last year, I mean, I've seen more of my dad via Zoom than I had, you know, ever. And he had had some um, skin, um, uh, a skin thing removed where he ended up having a very long scar, way more than he thought. It was just a little thing on his lip. And, and his whole face like here was, was black and blue from it. And so we got on the Zoom call and my brother saw it and like immediately, and we had no idea, you know, there was any risk of my father passing at this time. And it was just a few months ago, to be honest with you. And my brother got on and saw it and, and, and melted down, like just got really, really, really emotional and, and, you know, said something about dad, I don't want to lose you. And my dad said, now, Rick, there's no use crying over spilt milk. <laughs> A dadism. Like, dad, I think you're more than spelt milk. <laughs> but that dad was my jokes. dad. Always positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Brent got a new family member this weekend. I did. We actually we had talked about it, and uh, we my kid has been asking for a dog for a long time. Uh, 
So it just so happened the cards fell that we got it yesterday on Father's Day. And what's her name? Uh, we went with Alethea. Alethea. Right Alethea. It's kind of a rendition of a uh, Greek goddess. It's beautiful. It's one of the two. Well, Daryl, so we've kind of gone around the around the horn with uh, Father's Day, and I really am super excited to to have you, uh, Brent, joining us. Thank you for all you've done. Uh, your support really means a ton. And I wanted to tell everybody about, you know, how I actually met Kimberly and why I want her to talk to our community. Um, she was in a na uh, like a national networking group that I participated in during the pandemic. Um, I have been new to that environment, but it was really a great a great thing. They're called C Suite, and uh, we we made fast friends. Kimberly's got a program that really helps people uh, in the business world, in, in this case, uh, really kind of get to um, to and through transitions. Her book is amazing, um, you know, Who Are You When You Are Big? And uh, I went through that book and, and her team's programs, and I thought, while all of us in America are, you know, getting ready really to be put back into the workplace, whatever that looks like for uh, you or for us, whether we're an entrepreneur, whether we're going back to work in a hotel or we're going uh, back into the office or we're going, uh, you know, to something new, I thought it would be really good to bring you uh, into the conversation, Kimberly, and just kind of share your insights, if you will. I mean, you just did an amazing uh, job with our families here in Dallas, and then some of our volunteers were also very grateful for you. And I just, we all wanted to hear from you and about, you know, what would you have single parents or people in general really keeping at the top of their mind right now? And how can they follow you and all the things? Well, fun. Well, fun. Yeah. You went through our back in the game program. And, you know, I think as you're talking, there's a lot of people getting back in the game and it might be in a lot of different ways. It might be, you know, just re-entering the workforce. It might be starting a new job. It might be, um, you know, putting kids in new schools or whatever, right? Um, just back in the game can be very broadly determined. But, you know, my book, Who Are You When You Were Big, really came out of a question that my executive coach asked me. And I had just stepped out of big four public accounting and I'd been a national partner in a global firm with resources at my fingertips. And I got promoted into this national role where quite honestly, I felt out of my league and I started working with a coach and long story short, over a couple of years, he helped me see that the part of my job I loved was all about coaching and developing and mentoring and particularly challenging and inspiring people. And I realized that I had tons of opportunity to do that in my work in public accounting, but it wasn't really my day job. It was kind of the how I went about my work, but the, the what of my work wasn't nearly as meaningful and fulfilling to me. And so I stepped out and, like I said, went from being this you know, global partner in a national firm to becoming Kimberly Roush, founder of All-Star Executive Coaching, single woman entrepreneur. <laughs> I was feeling kind of small. 
and I think we all have times in our lives when we feel smaller, right? Like something's causing us to doubt ourselves or question ourselves or, or just not be fully alive and, and authentically who we are and all we're capable of being. And so naturally I had a coaching session with my coach and he said, excuse me, did you leave any part of Kimberly Roush at KPMG? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, did you leave your experience, your accomplishments, your strengths, your values, your gifts, your personality? And I said, no. And he said, well, who are you when you're big? And that was the genesis. That was the question he asked me that changed my life, really. And, and that I've gone on to ask over, you know, about literally thousands of people and had it change their lives as well. Well, Daryl and I, you know, we were talking about, you know, all the changes in the media that is going on, all the restructures of companies, you know, Daryl, I don't know if you, you know, want to comment a little bit about your perspective about, you know, how it's a little crazy right now in, in the workplace. I mean, I work in media and, and it's, uh, it's as volatile a time in my industry as I think I've ever seen. It reminds me more and more of of 2007, 2008, and 2009, the Great Recession, the way, uh, you know, media companies are being forced to do more with less. Uh, and, and in many cases, you know, some people are, are inevitably going to get pushed out. So, you know, I feel like a message like Kimberly's is really important because, you know, uh, somebody like myself, I've been in radio for 14 years. If you sat me behind a desk and told me to work nine to five, I would be lost. I don't even, I don't even, I'm so far removed from from that, you know, that corporate nine to five life. Uh, I don't know if I could go back, you know, and I've thought about it before. You know, if I if I were to leave my my industry, what would I do? I mean, I feel like I could go and sell just about anything. But I mean, that's not necessarily what I want to do. So, uh, yeah, it's it's important to understand who you are and what your strengths are and what you bring to your respective endeavor, whatever it is, whether it's accounting for KPMG or whether it's running a, a nonprofit or whether it's, you know, having the, the most successful channel on Twitch. It's, you know, you need to know who you are before you try to, to enter into any type of big effort. So uh, certainly your, your message is going to resonate with a lot of folks. Yeah. One of the things we have people do in the program is we, we have them to tap into the times in their lives when they were thriving you know, when they were on their game, energized, they, they couldn't wait to get up and go to work in the morning, or they stayed there late at night, losing track of time. And it's, it's not the greatest accomplishment that comes from your head and feeds your ego that you think will impress somebody else. But, but those times when you're, when you're just flourishing and in that flow state and think back to those times and come up with five or seven times when you were absolutely thriving. And my entry point to figure that out, because I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I was pretty ego-driven in public accounting, but the, my coach kept asking me this question over and over and over and, you know, session after session would go by. I still hadn't, didn't have the answer. And finally, one night I was in the office, it was really late at night. I was organizing a team for the multiple sclerosis bike ride. So I've been on the board of the National MS Society for our local chapter for, you know, over 20 years. And I organized a, a bike team for the, the big hundred mile bike ride from Irvine to San Diego every year. And I looked at my watch and it was 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, Oh, darn. I told my husband, I'd be home an hour ago. And, and I looked at my calendar for the next day and I had my coaching appointment at eight o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Oh, I still don't have the answer to his question. And then I thought about it and I said, wait a minute, I'm here late at night. I don't want to leave. I'm totally engrossed in what I'm doing. But you this was an, like uh -huh. this fun part of my job, right? Like this was this 
this passion place of mine of challenging people. I, I got people who didn't even have bikes and got them to agree to ride a hundred miles and raise money for charity. And, you know, I was alive in doing that. And I thought, wow, is this what he's talking about? Because it didn't feel like work to me at all. And that was kind of my entree point. I finally had to say, I kept trying to think my way into it. I finally had to ask myself, wow, where else have I felt that way? And then all of a sudden, all these other stories kind of came up of times within my public accounting that I was doing something that, that I was, you know, just thrilled with. And as I stood back and look across all those stories, that's where I was always coaching and developing and mentoring and particularly challenging and inspiring people, some big challenge I was throwing out in front of them and then watching them rise. And what was so meaningful about it to me Mm -hmm. was seeing their faces in Mission Bay Park after they'd ridden a hundred miles on a bike and, and, and realizing that, wow, maybe I've opened their minds to where they might put barriers up for themselves and, and to where they'll challenge themselves in the future as they move forward. And ironically, I did the same thing with work-life balance and public accounting with a program that I had done. And it was, I mean, there was just several, several examples that, that really gave me the clues, that gave me the courage to become an executive coach and leave public accounting, set that big partner hat aside and, and jump in. So, um, and even so, I felt small when I did it. <laughs> so having my a coach question, so wonderful. My question, my question for you, Kimberly, is, you know, how do you how do you recall that enthusiasm that you have for one job when you're doing something that maybe is is outside of your comfort zone? You know, how do you approach that with the same enthusiasm and zeal as as you do in, in your past career? Well, first of all, I want I want to make sure it's something that has meaning for you and is, you know, and, and by really looking back and reflecting and establishing, okay, what was meaningful about my work in each of those situations when I was thriving? There will be a common thread, I guarantee you. By identifying that, you can look at your current situation and say, does this feed me? And if it does, sure, there's going to be tasks and things that, you know, that are not the funnest part of the job. But if you're giving yourself enough of the stuff that's meaningful for you, you become really resilient towards the other stuff. But another way to tap into that is, and sometimes it's just, you know, you're in a bad mood that day, right? (laughs) Um, We have people write big statements. So who am I when I'm big? And, you know, my coaching one starts with something, you know, who am I when I'm big as a coach? I challenge and I inspire. I listen and I'm curious, I'm compassionate and empathetic, you know, and I just, I mean, it goes on and on, but, but I know who I am when I'm in that state of mind and all big, all big is is a state of mind, right? So how do we allow ourselves to step into that state of mind on demand? You know, as I was starting my business, I could choose to feel small and I wouldn't have gotten any clients whatsoever, (laughs) Or I could just step back into being Kimberly Roush because every bit of me was still here. And when people write it out and articulate it, man, it makes it so much more accessible on demand, right? And most of the time, if you're struggling, you probably have some superpower strength you're just not using to look at the, 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 the issue or whatever it is you're facing, right? Brent, I don't know. Do you have some input about your business experience and, you know, kind of uh, kind of turning the corner as people are going back to work and maybe a comment or any input about what Kimberly's kind of throwing out there for us? 
Um, well, I mean, actually, what there were a couple of things that resonated just about being big that really made me think is, you know, word this right. Like when when nobody is watching, when nobody sees you for what you're doing, because we often can have this different persona in front of people because we want to present, we want to look our best, we want to be our best, but we can be this completely different person when nobody's looking, when there's nobody around. Like, are you big in those moments? You know, that's when that's what I'm getting from Kimberly is when you're really hearing the whisper and the gremlin is when nobody else is watching you. And you're right in the middle of, you know, whether you're making a presentation or you're looking over your books or doing the things that really nobody's going to, nobody is really going to see, you know, are you big in those moments or are you going to let the gremlins kind of nitpick and nitpick, you know, because I can be, I can be either an introvert or an extrovert, you know, um, yes, I do content creation, but I own my own IT business full time is what I do on the side. And, you know, the whole COVID experience was, wasn't too much different for what I do just because people don't see us very much anyway. <laughs> so we're often in the background and everybody wanted to go home and work. So, I mean, for what we do, did, we, we did it, we've done okay in COVID world, but still, it's just those, it's still those same thoughts and those same struggles is, are you big when nobody's watching, you know, and I've told my guy, I've told my guys before. You know, sometimes you're going to you're going to go cry or go cry in the corner, you know, get it out and then go back in front of the lights and go back to work. You know, but again, it's the question is, is where are you, are you going to be big in everything you do? Even when nobody's watching, you know, it's kind of what I thought a lot about when, when she was talking and I thought was that resonated pretty well. It's just being big. And that's not just big in size, but big in spirit, big in motivation, big in fighting off the smaller battles that nobody's going to be seeing you fighting. Yeah, yeah I love I love what you're saying. And, you know, it, there's a little bit of a distinction. It's it's I'm you know, when I am big, who am I? How do I show up? What does that look like? Right. And some people, when they write their big statements, say I'm big when da 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 right, which is kind of making it conditional upon I'm only big if those conditions occur or if I'm in that situation or if I do that thing in that situation, right? As opposed to when I'm big, I just do, right? And so, you know, you're talking about, you know, are you big when you're in these, when no one's looking, right? Well, who are you when you're big when nobody's looking? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What is that, you know, and, and how do we get people to to step into that? Because I agree when somebody else is looking, it's really more about ego than it is about your soul. Right. You know? Very that, well. That's, I would say that's even more so in men. Men care a lot about ego. So we're yeah. not going to be vulnerable when people are watching. Like we're going to be like on our best, like Thor looking, you know, pose and mentality when we may look completely different, you know, when we're vulnerable. And, and that's just being a guy is we don't like being vulnerable at all. Right. It's all about the ego, it's all about the presentation. But I mean, again, it just goes back to even when you're vulnerable, are you still going to be big? Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, that's just what, what I'm thinking about a lot just in my own life, you know, because I, me, myself, I'll struggle a lot when nobody's looking, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decision? You know, and so on and so forth. But, right. I love it. I think, you know, uh, I can't help but just kind of confess. I think about people going back to work, uh, especially single parents, you know, they had to come in and parent their children inside uh you know usually you know they've got 
um, there were a lot of, of single moms that were administrative people and uh, they didn't have enough computers or tablets in their homes to be able to share with their children you know their children used the school's devices so there was a whole big bumpy situation going on with that and then once that got resolved then you know it's how do i pay for the additional groceries and okay now i've got to go to food lines or then there were other you know all of these different variables and i can't help but think whether uh, somebody is having to re-enter the workforce after being laid off, you know, what a jab that is, you know, like uh, my husband, he got put on furlough, brought back, then he got let go, then he had to go find another job, and it just really monkeyed with his mindset. Well, both of our mindsets, you know, we're you know, both very work, working a lot in the hospitality industry. And of course, that was one of the hardest hit. Right. And I guess, you know, collectively, I just wanted to um, talk about it today with the idea of um, giving people some tools about, you know, the right mindset, how to get access to um, really kind of hitting the reset button and going, okay, it's time to go back to work now. We may not ever look like we did before, and that may make us feel small, but how do we rise in our hearts, our minds, and, and you know, our inside voices like Brent was talking about, the gremlin, you know? How do we, um, and Kimberly, I know you're the pro at this. How do we go back to work as a community well? And maybe I could just be quiet for a little bit and let you kind of coach us up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a fun, fun question for me. <laughs> so I've been running a program for, gosh, 13 years that has worked with executives in transition. And we've served over 3,000 people. And you know, I like to say that they come in experiencing identity theft, right? Because in America, so much of our identity is our job title and the company we work for. And then all of a sudden we don't have that or we're not happy with the one we have. And in all of a sudden, like our self-worth just drops away and we, 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 we lose our identity. And so I watched all these people come into this program kind of going through identity theft. And to be honest with you, my ego had been so tied up in that partner had at KPMG that when I started my own business, I was coming through my own identity theft, right? And I realized, you know, I had the benefit of a coach, thank goodness. But, you know, I, I just watched that phenomenon as, as people came into this four-week program every time. And, you know, I, I helped them, the, the program culminates in writing a big statement. And, um, you know, one of the big things we do is tap into those thriving moments that I was talking about before. And we, and we play with those voices you just mentioned, and we, we learn how to knock down the bad one and amplify the good one. And, and then we write these big statements and every moment of every day, we all have a choice to make and we can choose to feel small we can just simply step back into being our most powerful selves, to be our, to being our fully empowered self. What I find is so often people are on this seesaw between their powerful self, their ego, and their powerless self, which is their insecurity. 
And it's really those two voices, right, that that are battling it out. And, and which one's going to win? Well, I don't want either one to win because I don't want you driven by ego and I don't want you driven by insecurity. I want your empowered voice to rise. Not powerful, not powerless, empowered. And when we know who we are, when we are big, and we've actually written it out and articulated it, and you know, we've got a piece of paper we can go read at any given point in time to try and retap into it, right? It, it makes it more accessible. So I really can just step in on demand. The other thing it does is it helps me recognize when I've fallen out faster. I'm more able to recover to it more easily. I'm able to stay there longer until I start living my life from this state of mind being my norm rather than, I don't know about you, but I was on this, this seesaw of this ego and insecurity, this powerful, powerless, you know, for a long, long time in my career. And to be able to, to just to fully emerge as your most authentic self with gratitude and humility. Oh yeah. You know, it's not about ego. Um, and have it be accessible to yourself. It's just, it's, it's so, so empowering. And it comes from within. It's your strengths and your values and your gifts. Nobody can ever, nobody or no situation can ever take it away. Because it's in here. And when you recognize that, that you have that power, that you have that strength, that you have that gratitude for the unique combination of skills and resources that, that, that you have and that you bring to this world and that you can step in at any moment, you're making a choice. And do I make the right choice every moment of every day? No. <laughs> Does you anybody? don't? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Daryl, do you I'll make the what? right choices every moment of every day? Oh, of course. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I knew you were going to say life that. My so easy. <laughs> Wait, you're I, making I, me feel small. One, one could call after another, man. It's a, what could go wrong? Brent, <laughs> I saw how you starting to chime in there with you. Of course you do too. I haven't mastered walking on water yet, but <laughs> we're working on it. Well, the other thing about it is, is that I find when you're big, when you're living in your big, most resourceful state of mind, first of all, everything's easy and effortless, but you're giving permission for everyone around you to do the same thing. And there's a ripple effect. And it's not just you and your family, it's your teams, it's your bosses, your board, your community, the people in line at the grocery store behind you are having a bad day, right? You're like it It's contagious. Emotions are contagious. And when we're in this most resourceful state of mind, we're giving permission for other people to claim their authentic greatness as well. I like to say big sometimes, B-I-G sometimes stands for believing in greatness, right? Not from an ego perspective. Believing in your inherent greatness, your own personal. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, a lot of times, you know, people, uh, they don't just go through work transition that make us feel small. It can be life situations that make us feel small and, you know, kind of knock us off our game. And um it shows up in our work, right? It shows up uh, either way. Something happens at work, it shows up in life. Something happens in life that shows up in work. I know it's happened to me. And um, it's, it's 
a personal I mean I love what you said it's so personal like about our jobs and what we do and um, one of the things that uh, I really loved that I heard recently was you know it's not just what you do uh, Stacy or you know insert your own name you know and it's not just your business but it's the woman or the person behind the business that really matters and you know people don't just buy from a business they buy from teams they buy from people they they trust with their own uh interests and work you know and so as we improve ourselves i think it you know you think about okay i need to work on resumes i need to work on you know massive action i need to work on make sure i have the right clothes i need to make sure i you know i'm applying for x number of jobs every day or i'm going to all the networking meetings i can't miss one of them you know and um we we push ourselves on all of these tangible things that we can think about, you know, about going in and getting back to work or ramping back up in work. And we don't start with our hearts. We don't start with our center point. And so all of that ends up being things that we do, but they're off kilter. They're off kilter because we're not true to ourselves. We, we haven't gotten time to look at, you know, our hearts and uh, where they really are and I bet you you know Kimberly what your message is right now would be really so helpful to so many people and I'd love you know you to talk a little bit about the program I know people can buy your book on you know if you went to smile.amazon.com and selected single parent advocate as your charity then you could go and buy you you know, who am I when I am big on, on Amazon, right? But yes, how, how do people find you and, and how do you become their coach? And, you know, if somebody really wanted to um, to be in touch with your, you know, maybe there's a, a path that's affordable for a single parent, you know, or uh, someone to kind of get involved and see if this might help them. Yeah, there's, there's several ways. Number one is... Um, you know, buying the book on Amazon and, you know, um, not only is there's a, there's the paperback, there's also the Kindle version and the audiobook we, we now have. So the, all, those are even more affordable versions of the book, which is definitely fun. Um, if you want to see what a big statement's all about, we're on getting too big on Vimeo and there's statements of people who have professionally recorded their big statements, which is super fun. You get a feel for what they feel like and sound like and look like, but we also have 10 in the book. So you've, you've got some good examples in there. Um, my website is allstarexecutivecoaching.com. And if you go to services, there's a couple of different places there. Of course, all my services are, are listed out there, but some of the group programs I have are a little more affordable than the one-on-one -on -one coaching. And you talked about, you know, affordability. Um, my back in the game program is a three month group coaching program. Month one is, is more intense. And then there's follow-on programs for, for, um, two more months, uh, follow-on sessions. And, it's three hours a, a week, every Tuesday morning from nine to 12 Pacific. And it's a very robust, um, great way to help you slow down and reflect and, and get things right. I like to think of transition as a career or coffee break. 
you know, when you were working, you know, and grinding and grinding and grinding and pushing boulders uphill and running on the hamster wheel, you know, didn't you just wish you had some time off that wasn't spent, you know, that wasn't any truly. Yeah. I I wished I could go to the ladies room some days. Exactly. (laughs) I'm taking a night off without laundry. (laughs) Laundry. (laughs) And people in transition actually have this wonderful gift and using it really productively as opposed to running away from transition, trying to fill a void and, and you're not even looking at what you're running towards because you don't really know, mm-hmm. right? If you're just going through the motions and running to get out of this pain, what if you could embrace this, savor your coffee? And I like to say, go slow to go fast. Invest the time up front to figure out what you really want to go back to. If you, if you had a choice to make a right turn in your career, not a left turn, not a wrong turn, but a right turn, what would that look like? If you go back to doing exactly what you were doing in the past, but now you are absolutely clear and you know why that's your passion or that what's meaningful about that work to you, fantastic. But I want you going back in to the second half or third half or whatever it is in your career with that confidence and that knowing and that ability to not just be on autopilot on a, you know, a job you picked, you know, when you were 20 years old and just got out of college, <laughs> right? Like, what do you really, the, the, people say, what do you really want to do when you grow up? What do you really want to do when you grow up? Because I want to be a rock star. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Speaking of rock know. stars. So the other thing that I have available is um, I do a monthly live cast. It's every Wednesday morning, the first Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Pacific. And um, it's called Be Inspired and Grow. So back in the game is B-I-G, Be Inspired and Grow is B-I-G, all kind of a play on my who are you when you're big. Yeah. And um, we have people that will, you know, I'm really trying to do is build community. And so, you know, all my former clients and program participants are, are part of that. Plus, if other people want to come, there's a small fee um, associated with an annual subscription, very affordable. Um, but that gives you access to all the former um, sessions as well. But last month, we had Mark Schulman, who is the drummer for Pink. And he was just amazing. And I could not, I scheduled him months ago, but I, I didn't know that that Amazon special on Pink, the documentary, right. had, had come out like the week before he was going to be on my Be Inspired and Grow uh, session. And he was phenomenal. Um, next month, I have Stephen Emil from the C-Suite Network. And he's, he's talking very much on this same topic of, of how do we go back in intentionally? How do we re-engage intentionally? How yeah. do we bring what we want, not what we don't, and, you know, and, and reset a bit? After that, the, in August, I have Bob Berg, uh, who is the author of The Go-Giver. Wonderful, wonderful, short little read. I like to think of it as Who Moved My Cheese for Networking. It's a, it's a great book about relationships and, and focusing on giving rather than getting. You know, so many of our tasks to be go-getters. What's it mean to be a go-giver? Yeah. And how does that change everything? Um, so super excited about that. I'm working on other guests after that. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Well, Kimberly, thank you for joining us today. I, I know that, that, uh, this is on many people's minds. What, what is, what does going back to work look like? What does good look like? And where do I even begin? It's just, there's so many, you know, variables and questions and, 
uh, it's certainly on on all of our minds. And so thank you for what you do and what you have done for our community. And thanks for joining us here. And I, I just recommend anybody, you know, get in touch with Kimberly, read the book if you like, if you like, or listen on Audible and, um, you know, just know that, that, uh, real change and real next steps start from within. And it's the hard work at front that makes us, uh, better, faster, stronger over time. I'm having to learn the same lessons. <laughs> but we make it easy. <laughs> Hard work made easy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys have anything to add, Daryl or Brent. You guys. I, just, I thought it was really st- really good stuff. I mean, you know, the, the message is simple. Who were you when you were big? I, you know, you think back to a time in your life when you were achieving success or, or, or whatever it was you were trying to do. Uh, try, like I said, recapture that enthusiasm for what you were doing. It's a great message and, and, and timely uh, for sure. So thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I'm going to encourage everybody to turn the corner with us and uh, get ready to bless some kids with back-to-school supplies. Brent's going to be doing some more antics on uh, – I'm sorry, I said Brent. <laughs> That's my Texas it, it accent. Brent, Brent sorry. right there on the corner, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the, so, uh, the, the dad campaign, I'm, my, my uh, goal was to go throughout the entire month. Um, so that's going to go on to the end of June. And then, um, of course, Stacey and I are talking about future shenanigans. Um, We're going to have some fun. We're always having some fun. And, uh, you know, get ready to to um, to really jump on board with Back to School. And uh, thank you, Brett, for all you've done. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.